brought to you almost live from the dude in the basement studios. Why? Because that's where the good stuff is. It sips, suds, and smokes with your smoking host, the good old boys. Welcome to Sips, Suds, and Smokes. This is good old boy Mike, and joining me for this episode is good old boy Chris. Koza. Okay. All right. So listen, we have this episode coming up, Chris, and we've got to figure out how to say this beer that you've made for the GABF program correctly. And the correct pronunciation is in dispute, although we've both researched this. And I mean, uh, I think it's Gozea. It's Goza. Goza like Look, uh, I've called the Philadelphia Beer Authority. I've looked up the German Beer Society, and it says clearly on there. It says, it says Rosea. Oh, it's it's Goza, like, you know, she goes to the beach, goes. Uh. No, we're not talking about how somebody goes anywhere. There was this is about a beer. <laughs> no, but it's 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 an easy pronunci- pronunciation. It's Goza. <clears throat> if it's so easy, then why can't we get it right? <laughs> Got to get this right, man, because. If our listeners don't know how to say this beer, they're going to walk up to a bar and they're going to go, I want a Gozea, and see they'll get the right beer. Well, it's it's Goza. So. But there's not a bartender alive that would know what, what that would mean. But if they asked for Gozea... It's Goza. They would get the right beer. Right, it's Goza. So I think we should say it correctly, which is no, Gozea. Goza. Goza. Look, <clears throat> if I was at a bar with a German sitting next to me, and I leaned over and I asked the German, uh, hey, Gunter, how do you say Gozea? On Guten Tag, I, is, I would say Gozea. See, that's it's exactly how I would say it. It's a, um, <laughs> say a go, it's Goza. <clears throat> yeah, but see, that's the name of a river. That's not the name of a beer. No, but it's, it's Goza, though. You know, it's like, um, like Rose, uh Goza, like the flower rose. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said polka. Oh, no, no. Goza, not polka. Goza. Oh, well, Gozea, just like I said it. No, Goza. (sighs) Boy, I tell you what. We've got to get this right. So, you know, for this episode, we're going to call it Gozea. Well... You're bound to mess me up through this uh, episode, and I'm sure I'll say it wrong. Maybe we should just because of this. We should have more beer while we're talking. I I think so, but it is Goza. So, all right, maybe some more polka music. Hey, Gozea, Goza. Suds, suds, it's time for more suds. Hello and welcome to this show of Sip, Suds, and Smokes. Today is a suds episode. 
where everything good in life is worth discussing. I am one of your hosts today, good old boy Mike. Joining me here at the table is good old boy Chris. How you doing? And his lovely wife, Zaya. Hello. Uh, today's show is going to be about a discussion with one of the GABF Pro-Am beer competition winners for 2014. Uh, Chris was the winner at Bosco's uh, Brew Pub. And uh, I really, uh, congratulations to Chris. I mean, all the way around. This is just <laughs> really uh, quite amazing. And I look forward to, you know, the conversation we're going to have thank, today. Thank you. <clears throat> um, you know, this is a competition that uh, uh, I know very well. Uh, a lot of our hosts that have been on the show have uh, participated in the, in the program at GABF. And the reason why I, I'm really looking forward to having come back on the show is because a year ago we were actually discussing your electric brewing system and the just amazing engineering that you had in such a small space i mean this thing is actually in the basement of your condo i mean it's just really amazing um and uh, i'm really proud to say we were right there just when you were doing your first all-grain brew um and actually got to taste you know some of the beer that you had off that system for the very first time and so it's, it's really great to have you back on the show and to kind of catch up with what you've been doing uh, on your system because uh, this isn't just one accolade that you have. You really have quite a number of accolades that you've had in your home brewing experience over the last year. So I'm looking forward to that story, hearing you know what's been going on with you over the last year on the system as well. First off, have you been having fun? Uh, we've had a, a great time uh, brewing beer over the past year plus now, and um, I would say the uh, since we've started, uh, we've brewed probably around 18 batches. Wow. Um, and of those 18, um, four of them have uh, placed in uh, competitions, uh, Music City Brew Off, uh, National Homebrew Competition, and uh, Bosco's Pro Am and the Bluegrass Cup. So, wow, I'm that, really, really happy with the results. That's so just far. amazing. I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian, I did it. <laughs> well, I think that you and Rocky have uh, certainly a lot to cheer about. I mean, that is really I mean, those numbers alone, Chris, are are just staggering for you to medal at some national level competitions uh you know with even just the number of beers uh that you've been working with i mean there are some home brewers that i know they probably brew three times the number of beers you know probably 35 plus and just you know play a lot of just uh shoot in all directions um you know with a lot of the competitions that they they go through so for the fact that just the numbers alone, I mean, that is just really quite uh, amazing. <clears throat> so I know you've uh, you've brought a lot of uh, beer for us to actually try. Um, so of these four that you brought for us to try, first off, why don't you tell everybody what, what you brought, and we'll talk about them as we're talking about kind of, you know, some other things here. Um, we, we brought the uh, Oktoberfest um, that we brewed last year that uh, finished uh, second place um in um, the many best of show for music city brew off um that was uh, kind of an unexpected beer we didn't really think yep and in full disclosure good old yeah. boy mike was a judge in that competition so uh, i'm really proud to say that uh, that was a really great competition 
So, and the other other beers, um, the Doppelbach um, was actually a a beer that I brewed jointly with uh, John Malone, the brew club president, and um, we both fermented with different yeast strains. Um, I don't think that he's entered in his uh, Doppelbach into any competition yet, but this was one that we shipped to St. Paul, Minnesota for the NHC uh, first round, and it took second place in the mini best of show mm. for uh, the Bach category. And also a, a very stiff uh, homebrew competition as well. Uh, I know that you uh, also participated in the NHC that was actually hosted here in mid-state, Tennessee. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, I mean, just tr- phenomenal beers in that competition. I was a beer judge for that as well. And uh, um, so, did you enter, actually enter this same beer in that in that NHC uh, competition here in the mid-state as well? Um, no, actually, um, when when they did the lottery for the national homebrew competition, um, I listed, I checked every judging center as a as a possible option. And I didn't make the first round of acceptance into the competition. So probably like one or two days later, I got an email from them saying, you know, you're accepted into the competition. You'll have to ship your beers to St. Paul. So, huh. Cool. So, uh, and you got two more here. Uh, two other beers. Um, we've got uh, the Gosea or Gosea. Yep. We'll have uh, a lot of fun saying that today. That was almost there. <laughs> Go say it. Um, and um, that one uh, was really kind of a funny beer because um, going back to the national homebrew competition, uh, my wife and Isaiah, we um, uh, stewarded for the Nashville uh, competition here. And uh, Zaya was very lucky to uh, be a steward for the specialty category. Um, and she got to try a lot of these crazy beers, and Gozea was one of those beers. Um, after that competition, um, she said, we need to brew this. I want this beer. It's great. And we just so happened to be going on vacation, so um, I brewed it, and um, it, it, was, it turned out to be one of the mo- most difficult batches of beer that I've ever made. Hmm. Um, I like this. So when you guys go on vacation, I mean, some people are like planning what to do, you know, like renting a boat or going (laughs) hiking or, you know, going on some tour. You guys plan ahead and what kind of beer you're going to take on your vacation. Yeah. You want a thematically appropriate beverage while you're traveling. (laughs) I like that. Thematically uh, appropriate beverage. I don't know. I've been to uh, some parts of the panhandle of Florida, and I'm having a very difficult time thinking what would be thematically correct. You know, like, y'all say, y'all say that dead deer right over You know, I hit that about two days ago. That thing is still rotten right over I'm really trying to think of the thematically correct moment, you know, for, for smoked, the panhandle. Smoked venison porter. <laughs> smoked venison porter. With, and, with a little bit of kelp. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Chris, I know you've had uh, you know quite the adventure over the last year. Um, so, kind of help us, uh, you know, step through time just a little bit because you know it was right there when you were actually moving into all green. What 
was there certain styles that you kind of went through the year where you just kind of moving through seasonal were there certain grains i mean tell me kind of what's been going on for the last year um brewing over the last year has been um something where i've kind of looked at the bjcp style guidelines um and more like a checklist yeah as a, as a checklist because I, I knew going into um into brewing that i wanted to compete and um now we're competing and um of all all the beers that we've brewed um we brewed through the winter and being being on an electric system um is pretty clutch for that um and the um water groundwater of course in the winter time you know for chilling uh really helps the process and then you don't spend as much in terms of uh um refrigeration to uh control your fermentation temperatures and all of that so um i'd say a, a lot of the different beers that we've brewed have just been um, no particular order just what we feel like we want to do next hmm. um, one beer that we haven't done yet is a, a stout or porter and hoping to uh, use some um, cocoa that we got from um, was it St. I think it was in St. Lucia. St. Lucia where we went on vacation. We got these uh, little uh, rods of cocoa and we're probably going to brew with that and make like a chocolate stout or do something like that this winter time. I like this. So not only are you brewing the certain beer that you're looking for while on vacation you're actually scouting ingredients to brew with (laughs) well i mean were we able to even bring that back in the country because they would consider that you know basically an agricultural product so Mm -hmm. or it it was in your check check baggage and you did not declare correctly i think we may have said that we brought back some relics from the jungle and some (laughs) chocolate but i don't think we specifically said we brought back raw cocoa well yeah but i mean even they probably sell you know cocoa that you could have brought even brought back you know even it had been harvested in packages probably wouldn't be a big deal but still, I mean, I think, you know, the fact that you guys are thinking about beer before you're going on vacation, while you're on vacation, you know, I mean, that's, uh, I, I can see that this is an integral part of your lives, you know, um, and how you also mark time, you know, probably as well. So um, <clears throat> have there been some beers that, you know, as you were approaching uh, or even after the fact, I'm sure you've learned a lot of lessons, you know, I mean, I'm curious, you know, what you're like oh crap that didn't work the way it was supposed to <laughs> pumpkin um, there's yeah there's definitely some stories um the, pumpkin. the uh pumpkin ale that we brewed um is it has uh 25 pounds of baking pumpkins huh. in it and i thought the the batch um was ruined because we weren't able to recirculate through um our herms coil um, because of the runoff was so slow, we had no recirculation, hmm. and so you thought it was going to scorch, basically. Uh, well, no, I just I thought you know the sugars are not going to convert, and yeah. where this whole batch is pretty much toast. Uh, well, I'm glad that you uh, you brought this, and so uh, you know I am not a fan of pumpkin beer. In fact, you know. I'd have to say that I've I've almost moved to the point of wanting to crawl in a hole for, 
you know seven or eight weeks because when the marzon and the you know pumpkin beers come out i just i can i'm getting i'm down to the point i can have like one <laughs> you know and um i have to say that i i'm my go-to is i'll, I'll go hit, pick up hawker for sure you know um and that's it and that's like the only one i'll have there'll be like 400 of them in front of me um and i went through a huge taste off you know with them uh one year and i don't know just there was something about that style you know the spices kind of crawling up in my nose and that i don't know i'm not a sweet beers is not i would say something that i, I my palate you know tends to gravitate towards naturally with all that said um, I'm really glad you brought yours because it does not suck. <laughs> it's like pie in a cup. It is. It is. Uh, you know, um, I think sometimes the one thing that uh, I find with uh, you know pumpkin beers, uh, particularly, is they are too flavorful, or they're not flavored enough, and there's like nothing in between. And so that that real balance between having the sweet element of what you would think of a pumpkin, but not overwhelming the palate is you know really it's it's a difficult trick to pull off. And I would say a lot of commercial brewers have not figured it out, but you have. <laughs> um, I mean, this is uh, the thing that I like. Uh, I like smelling this beer uh, probably more than I actually uh, the. the the taste of it is good, but the aroma itself is uh, is really quite uh, quite amazing. It's maybe borderline moving towards having a bit too much flavor, but um, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's well balanced, well tempered, well done. I mean, this is really this is great beer. I can understand why this uh, metal you know really well. So, kudos. Thanks. Hmm. So All right. Kind of a. Uh a pull, a pull from um, Saya's uh, grandmother's pumpkin pie recipe. So. Huh. Yep, we cannibalized her recipe and put it in beer. Well, the uh, the the caramel notes in it um, are are not. Uh, you know, the other problem that I find with uh, pumpkin beers is they either have too much burnt sugar, you know, quality around it, or the caramel notes have kind of what I would call turned the curve and moved to the point where. They're introducing some bittering element where the sugar is as moved beyond where it should. This is um, this is pushing the edge, you know, of roasted caramel and actually moving into that. But it's still it's very tempered, great flavor. And again, I love smelling this beer. This is really great. Um, I'll probably just sit here and put my nose in this for the next five minutes while you're talking. <laughs> so. Um, what are uh, what are some of the other lessons learned that you have? I mean, the equipment you sell, you know, that you have has been. I wouldn't say it's a one size fits all brewing rig, right? You know, because no. you have a lot of different styles that you've been going after, and I'm sure that that has brought along some learning lessons. Going that does not work with this style, right? And I've I've really learned um, what uh, equipment I need to use for certain styles of beer. Um, occasionally, we'll use. Uh, the uh, Blickman hop hop rocket, and we also whirlpool hops too. So um, there's just uh, different methods for every um, every batch, and um, like with the the Go- Gozea beer, um, that specific one, um, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit later. But 
um, has um, acidulated malt in it, which... Um, That's a if, big word for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, acidulated malt um, basically brings in the lacto um, uh, lactic acid sourness um, to the beer without you know having to use lactobacillus but the uh, nice thing about that beer is that uh, you don't have to wait you know a year to get the sourness mm-hmm. so but um, that specific beer in terms of um, how we brewed it on that that day um, it pretty much wrecked my my pH and my mash um, even though I had you know I mashed for like 60 minutes and then I added the acidulated malt and then went for another 45 and my gravity came up low so I had to add some DME to that and, oh. uh, um, but it was a learning experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, a lot of people are learning, you know, how to work with that style of beer as well. So I was tasting your Oktoberfest, you know, as you were uh, chatting there as well. Um, you know, again, uh, not a huge fan of Marzahn uh, in, in general. Um, I think probably the thing, again, is it most of them are too sweet. And it just absolutely wears me out. I'm like, you know, it's like shove two, you know, uh, caramels, you know, in my mouth and then have a beer. I mean, it's just absolutely wearing me out on how sweet, you know, a lot of uh, Oktoberfest and Marzahn style, you know, have really, you know, become, um, you know, really being made. This is not the case uh, with yours. And in fact, uh, you know, I mentioned one commercial example. that I really tend to go back towards, and the thing that I like about some of the commercial examples that I've that I've gone through is um, they're probably a bit more on the the drier side, um, <clears throat> and they tend to last a lot better uh, after you open them as well. That's the other thing is I find you know the a lot of the Marzons at Oktoberfest you know commercial uh, pieces you open them up and you leave them in the glass. In a half hour, and they're gone. They've they've gone from hero to zero so fast. They don't do really well when they get exposed to air, and the sugar basically just overwhelms everything. That's why they end up tasting so sweet. Uh, this is, I don't know. There's something um, almost like a ginger uh, quality uh, that's kind of coming through, and it's uh, presenting itself uh, a lot drier than maybe some of the other ones that I have. And so for me, this is a refreshing rendition of, you know, an Oktoberfest beer. And so this this did what? Where? Uh, second place at um, Music City Brew Off. Oh, I probably picked this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, this is a Marzana I can drink. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I wouldn't uh, be surprised to have the same thing I wrote on the sheet. <laughs> so that was our. Thank uh, you for not making it so sweet. It sucks. <laughs> you know? Let's go back and look at our style sheets when we get home. Yeah, um, that was our first uh, first medal, and I I remember we were, um, we were cruising vacation. out of Puerto Rico, and it was the last time that um, I had cell service, and I was facebooking with Juliana and saying. Do you have the results? Do you have the results? Oh, you know, yeah. I'm really wondering. And, and, um, I and saw we, her you know, uh, chatting with several people on her phone, so I didn't realize that was you. Th- yeah, so. that was, yeah, that was on our way to St. Lucia to pick up some cocoa. Huh. Wow. 
truly uh, beer and story are intertwined with the two of you. That's great. Um, so uh, the Doppelbach uh, that you have here, um, so it's really great. I knew that uh, uh, you and John had been collaborating, uh, you know, quite a bit um, on several different beers, and it's been really great that I think he's enjoyed brewing with you as you know uh, quite a bit. Um, it's helped him. How did he say it? Um, you know, I think being on an all-electric system uh, is kind of um, pushed his his uh, the way he thinks about the brewing process itself, and he likes the fact that it's it's not uh, challenging. It's not the word. Word. It's just that he has to think about a very different approach. You mm-hmm. know. Um, and the specific effect that uh, that you're really going for as well. So uh, the Doppelbach you have here uh, went to uh, NHC National Home Brewers uh, Competition. competition. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so you, was this the first version or like the third or fourth one that you did? We've not brewed anything twice. Oh well. Well, now we have. I now guess. we have. We brewed an Oktoberfest again. Oh, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, what did you think of the Doppelbach? Oh, I think it's great. Um, it definitely, once you let it kind of warm up to uh, room temperature or, you know, anything around, you know, 55, 60 degrees or so, yeah. um, it, it really um, brings a lot more flavor into it. Um, it's a really good beer. Yeah, so, uh, you know, when I think about uh, the the reference commercial example is uh, Aventus, um, Avenius. Um, I mean, I've heard it, you know, both ways. Anyway, um, I mean that is, you know, what I think of as a reference beer. You know, for this, very close. Um, you know, I would say that uh, yeah, Doppelbach is uh, traditionally uh, sweet and roasty are two things that I think you would normally say with a great, you know, Doppelbach. Um, <clears throat> but again, I think the mistake is is that it's that balance of sweetness that always catches up with people. Either the roast is overwhelming the beer, or you know the measure of of sweetness or sugar that's coming forth you know overwhelms it, and so it's the balance between that sweet roasty thing. You know, is what uh, you know I think that I'm looking for usually between this. Um, this has good balance. Um. And uh, flavor. Um, it's not just the balance between those two, but, um, you know, there's definitely a, um, I don't know, a earthy, roasty quality, you know, that's catching up with your palate as well that's really good. And uh, it's uh, it's probably tasting a bit more complex than I probably tend to think of with most Doppelbox. tend to be, I don't want to call it one-dimensional, but... I usually don't use the word complex and Doppelbach, you know, in the same, you know, description. But this definitely has a couple, you know, two or three layers to it that I think is really great, complementing everything really well. So I think you and John, definitely, I can understand why this did really well. Because it really has uh, just tremendous balance between all those pieces. So, um, now, did this go to... uh, Grand Rapids. It did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, when is when do you get the results from that, or are they available? Um, they are already available. Yeah. And so, uh, I think it scored um, in the low thirties there. Really? Um, yeah. And in St. Paul, it, it scored a forty-one. Um, huh. Which was not the original score. 
um, it was like a 37 or a 38. It was a 38, and then they adjusted it up to they 41. They adjusted it up to a 41 once they did the uh, best of show judging. Mm-hmm. So, And I don't know if that was because after it had warmed up, then they had more time to really see the flaws in the other beers. So, Well, I'm glad that's done well. Listen, uh, we're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back talking with Chris and Zaya and all about their adventures in brewing over the last year. We'll be right back. Hey, we're back from that break. Thanks for coming back and joining us. We're talking today with <clears throat> Chris Allen and his wife, Zaya, uh, today about uh, their competition with Homebrew, as well as a recent uh, win that Chris had to go to GABF Pro-Am. So, um, you know, Chris, I know that uh, uh, going to GABF with a with a Gozea, um, I mean, you had to work hard at I had to work hard at learning the pronunciation of the beer alone. <laughs> so, <clears throat> and we've been, we both have been saying, I, I looked it up, it's Rosea, but you just pronounce it with a G. So it's Gosea for those of you that have been butchering it and calling it 20 other things. That is the proper pronunciation. So, um, <clears throat> so it's a rather different style on many different levels. I mean, uh, this is a, uh, considered a sour beer, but it's not your typical sour because it's rather salty, like saline water. Um, and I mean, that's that's kind of an unusual component, you know, in a beer. Uh, what made you choose this particular style? Um, like we had uh, been talking before about the uh, NHC competition here in in, in Nashville and say uh, um, stewarding the uh, specialty category. She, she really, really liked the beer and wanted to have the uh, Gozea as something we could take on vacation and drink. So, um, and, you know, I, I brewed it and didn't really think much about it. Um, hmm. We uh, entered a few beers into the uh, Bosco's Pro-Am and the uh, Gozea was one of them. Um, had no clue that it was gonna do well and actually um we were we're banking on more on our pale ale um being selected for the pro-am and not the gosea so huh that's interesting um so this particular style the gosea has to ring you know all these different you know tasting bells i mean it has to be sour has to be tart has to be salty has to be sweet coriander lots of coriander yeah and all this stuff you know in perfect harmony i mean this is not a beer that i really think of and this is not this is not a this is not amateur hour you know to to try and make you know this type of beer um you know what uh i mean when you taste your uh gose i mean how do you describe it do you think it rings all those bells and i mean what kind of balance do you think you have with all those I, I really think it does, and um, we just bottled off the last bit of it um, yesterday, and even what we were tasting from the keg actually seemed a little bit more sour than this sample here, um, but 
I think the the balance of this beer is just really spot on perfect. Mm. Um, I've tried some other Gozeas before. Yeah. So um, uh, commercial examples. I'm curious what what those were and how you thought this kind of stacked up. We had a couple different um, commercial examples. Um, a few that we found in Nashville, and then uh, one that we actually found on the vacation that we brewed this beer for. Um, and they kind of ranged from being um, super um, sour, but in an acid sort of way versus in kind of an aged sour way. Um, and I knew that I definitely didn't want to go towards acidic, um, more um, towards like a, a barrel aged sort of acid if we were going to go super sour at all. Um, so I think it's a lot less sour than um, some of the commercially available goses, goseas. Um it's a weird word. Yeah. Uh, and all the Germans are going to be calling you to correct this, I'm sure. No, it's this. Um, so I think it's less sour than several of the um, commercially available American versions of the beer. Um, we have not yet had the, ex- you know, the, the privilege of going to Germany and trying it from Goselar, um, which would be great. That would be a fun vacation. Um, so it's it's less sour. I think it's got a little more. The salt is a little more forward, and so is the coriander. Um, so I think my assessment of the style was that I wanted a beach beer, and mm. it's it's a really good <clears throat> beach beer. Like oh, it's hot, it's salty. I'm you know salty and sticky and sandy, and this is what I wanted to drink. Well, you know, so this uh, uh, the style itself came up in our boat beer series, um, <clears throat> and in fact. Uh, you know, I, I really said that if I really had to pick a a uh, sour beer that would be a boat beer, I would have picked Westbrook's um, uh, Gozea. Um, I really felt like that. The fact that it was in a can, you know. Uh, I think that does weird things to sour beers. Mm, I don't know. You know, I think uh, it... Uh, one, it, it certainly brings around a, a distribution, um, uh, a simplicity of doing that. Plus, you have the ability of taking it, you know, that out in a pool or a, you know, a beach area. Yeah. Um, you know, so, <clears throat> you know, I think that uh, that's, a, that's a couple of things that I really enjoyed. That particular beer, um, you know, and that was the reason why I was asking you, Chris, how did you think this kind of stacked up to some commercial examples? Because... I think, unfortunately, um, the Westbrook has imprinted itself um, as a reference style for me, mainly because that was the first one that I had. And so, um, you know, I've had probably another dozen, you know, commercial examples since then. In fact, I'm actually staring at one um, out here, you know, outside the studio, which is a Golden Gate uh, Gozea, which I've not had yet. Um, but I had uh, the perennial ales, uh, Gozarita, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, which was amazing. I mean, so, um, you know, I think uh, your particular uh, interpretation of the Gozea is um, it's different. Um, at least this one today is probably a bit more, I don't know, there's, uh, I'm having difficulty coming up with the right way of describing it. There is, uh, it's the mouthfeel. It's almost like a, uh, tongue coating, almost like a um, a layer or something that's kind of left on my palate um, after I have it. Um, so there's that almost uh, I'm trying to think uh, 
it's almost like somebody put a salt lick um, on and um, you just kind of lick the salt lick and you're sitting there almost trying to get it off your tongue um, and that is creating uh, other elements in your mouth that's actually coating the rest of your mouth I, I'm that's a I'm trying to compliment the beer, and it sounds like a, that is a horrible way of complimenting what you've done here. It's, it's like just being that it, in a horse trough with a salt yeah, lick. Yeah, I know, yeah. Oh. Oh, wow, that's the first time I've used salt, salt lick and, and beer the same, in the same sentence and trying to compliment somebody. That just was a complete failure at all levels. But, you know, this had a certain mouthfeel to it that I thought was very different than some of the uh, goseas that, you know, I've had. And that's probably the difference is that kind of coating you know element to it the balance is a little bit salt forward um so i mean i think uh you know describing uh a, a saline quality you know component um that seems probably a bit more forward in this particular rendition um one last wig so i can talk about it intelligently but um the rest of you know everything is really in in great balance and um, I think that if what it really pulled off is a bit more sour, I can see that would probably uh, temper, you know, it being probably a bit more salt forward. So, um, tricky beer. Uh, really tough, you know, for a lot of people to kind of pull it off, you know, on all those, you know, different fronts. Um, <laughs> extreme uh, protein in the hot break. I lost about two gallons of this beer in the transfer. Wow, that is a lot. Huh. So. That, that that would almost be com- commercially prohibitive to lose that much. Uh, I don't know that anybody would tolerate that much loss and transfer. What did what did you attribute that uh, to? The the filter got clogged. Oh. So. Yeah, the the coriander blinded the filter. Oh, okay. And uh, the yeah. extreme. Well, there's uh, a lesson learned. Yeah. Extreme <laughs> hot break too. It was just, huh. Uh, it was a mess. Wow. But it turned out good. Huh. Well. Uh, so, I guess the one thing I thought was interesting was that Bosco's, it was, you know, was going to go for a sour in the Pro-Am competition. I, and that's not like them at all. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, so out of most of the brew pubs, they don't like any, you know, any type of souring agent on their systems because it takes forever to get out, you know. Mm-hmm. We got to sanitize and scrub and sanitize and scrub. And, I mean, it's like a, you know triple repeat you know cleaning system and even then you're still the first beer you're going to make it's going to be something you're going to say i might be dumping this you know anyway so i'm curious what conversation you had with bosco's about you know actually doing a sour on their system and are they cool with that they're like "Ooh, let's go for it we've been looking for an excuse to make this um i think too um john malone was there during the judging and <coughs> Uh, John and I had, had had some previous discussions about this beer, and he had actually tried it at Craft Brewed, so um, he really liked it there, and um, he knew that I'd, I'd used a sigillated malt, which you have a couple of options um, for brewing this beer, and one is to bring in the acidulated malt in the mash, um, which does a more kind of natural souring versus adding uh, straight up lactic acid to the boil so i i went the acidulated uh, malt route and, yeah and that's how it brought some of that sourness forward but um 
no no souring bacteria at all in this. It actually uses a Kolsch yeast. And Karen at, at Bosco's had actually said um, afterwards, because we were really surprised that, that the Gosea uh, won the competition, because it's it's not something that... Um, that Karen is normally a fan of, of soured beers, and it's yeah. not something that you mm-hmm. normally really want to produce commercially. Huh. Yeah, she so told she, us that at NHC. Yeah. She's like, I'm not looking, like not looking for a sour beer. So um, when she tried it, she decided that it was really something that would be um, different. And hearing there's no lacto in this. No lacto. Isn't that weird? That is amazing. Um, it was something, when she tried it, wow. she said that she really liked... Um, that, that it was I, different than anything else that they had on tap. I don't know how you pulled that off. I mean, that, that's pretty cool. Skills. <laughs> skills. Wow. Um, and that it was <clears throat> something that she thought would be um, great as a summer beer to bring in kind of a new flavor palette. Um, so people that may not have liked their Stone IPA or um, you know, or the, their Flaming Stone or, or any of their other kind of beers that they have on tap consistently, that this might be something to bring a different palette into um, into drinking more beers at Bosco's. Yeah. Well, uh, so there's a lot that I've learned, you know, in this in this particular competition. Now, the other ones that you know we've talked about here are all stylized competitions, like the Doppelbach. You're competing with other people with Doppelbachs, or the same thing is true with your Oktoberfest. You're doing a stylized competition. The pro am is open season, um, so it really presents some very unique challenges i think uh both for the brewers as well as uh the element of judging you know around this as well um even uh other metals that are done at gabf are done with style guidelines so the pro-am competition is i mean literally just a it is a free-for-all um and you know i uh, there's almost a 120 different beers that end up going to the pro-am and there's a lot of lessons you know learn uh probably over the years um uh so i know you're gonna probably talk with mark as well as you know with john and kevin uh you know that have been here as well as well as danielle who's going with you from um cool springs um you know the uh the thing i've uh that we noticed was you know there's like a step up in quality uh, that you can really uh, understand um, with some of the beers that are there. And it was kind of interesting. A lot of the larger breweries that had you know, had partnered with you know, some of the home brewers, you could tell they spent some serious time and money you know, refining um, how things would work on their equipment as well as the ingredients um, itself. And I ended up talking with one of the homebrewers, uh, I believe the one that was from Cigar City. I want to say it was a jalapeno brown that he had. Wow. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I, I don't know if it won or not. I think it was, it placed in the top three or something like that. And I, you know, uh, had a vague uh, memory of you know that conversation where they had gone through a number of renditions, both on his homebrew system as well as on the on the system at Cigar City before they finally landed on what they were going to end up doing in, in order to take it to GABF as well. So, you know, I hope that, uh, you know, certainly what you end up doing with Bosco's, you know, that you uh, uh, don't think that it's a one-shot. You know, I really hope that 
uh, wherever you wind up with this and whatever you end up shipping, it's something that everybody can, at the end of the day, saying, you know what, I think that's our very best beer that we've ever shipped out of here because uh, it really does take a lot of uh, trial and error and refinement to do well in that competition. So it's going to be tough. And I don't recall another sour-style beer in that competition at all. And uh, I think the, so. the issue there, too, is that, you know, from the time that the Pro-Am competition or the when the home brewers compete and gabf there's almost six months six months yeah which is really not enough time for lactobacillus or anything else to really refine um sourness to a beer i don't think i mean you really need a lot more time than that well uh i think it'll be a real standout you know at that table and that is the one thing that i really remember uh with all of the beers that were in that competition is is that there was like a huge thing, you know, a huge group in the middle. I mean, it was, a, it was like a experiment in bell curve. <laughs> you oh, know? man. So there were, you know, things that you could just tell was like, I don't know how you got here. This sucks. You know, then there was a whole bunch of stuff that was in the middle. It was like, this is good beer. This is not great beer. And then there were a few things that you tasted and you went, that is an awesome beer. That is just like heads and tails above everything else. Well, stylistically, we'll definitely be an outlier. Yeah. And I think that that's what it's going to take to stand out in that huge bell curve is, you know, those things that had a lot of flavoring component um, definitely uh, caught your attention rather quickly. I mean, personally, you know, as, as as a consumer or a beer judge, however you want to look at it, you can just absolutely smoke me with the best triple you've ever made because <laughs> um, I think that it is one of the easiest beers to screw up. It's a very simple beer to make. It's also incredibly easy to screw up as well. And so having a great brown, having a really great triple, even having you know um, a really great lager. Uh, you know, I just... Uh, sometimes you know um, wonderful simplistic beers you know really can do wonders for for i think for me personally but at that table i will tell you flavor stands out and definitely capture you know will move you to the side of the bell curve where people it'll capture their attention they'll go "Hmm, i never had that before that's really good bring me some more of that goose Wrong, <laughs> you know. <laughs> we'll send you to the back of the line there. <laughs> um, well, it was uh, really great to uh, you know catch up with you. Um, you know about everything that's been going on over the last year, and uh, as well as to get to taste all the beers that you've done really well with. So uh, it was really great to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, what's next for Chris and the Electric Brewing System? Um, our goal is to take best of show um, in all of our beers. Huh. So this this year was, or the the first year of all grain on on our system was kind of a let's just brew a bunch of stuff and see how each thing does, and then we'll go back and hmm. refine our recipes. Um, the it. the pumpkin ale that you had is something we're not going to be changing. Um, it's a solid, solid pumpkin ale, and mm-hmm. you know I've tried a still a few, smells great. Tried a few different commercial brands, and you know that's something that is just really special that sets us apart from other other brewers. And um, you know I'll, I'll continue brewing to style, but we will um, think outside of the box, and hopefully this year have a rock solid um, 
you know chocolate stout or something that really blows people away mm. uh, that sounds great well there were a lot of answers you could have had to uh, that question you know i was thinking of a lot of other more innovative or interesting you know answers to the question you know well we're gonna double the size of our square footage <laughs> you know, he has, he's already taken up twice the amount of space you saw before so, <laughs> so i'm thinking you know of the uh the barrel room that uh, you're gonna have to you know buy the condo next door in order to make turn it into a barrel you know a barreling room for a uh, barreling project or uh, giant cold we have, storage we have four refrigerators and two freezers yeah. So that's it's already expanded. Wow, yes. uh, I love this. You're just a you're a zoning ordinance. You know, a violation just waiting to happen. <laughs> Pretty <so>. much. <laughs> Don't tell anybody that. Oh. oh, well, you got a lot of great friends in that neighborhood, and I'm I'm sure some of the restaurants around you that are expanding would love to give up you know some of their space and uh, let you brew in house for them. So I'm I'm sure that that might be in the offing someday. Well, uh, Chris, thanks for joining us uh, on Sip Suds and Smokes once again. Uh, you know, watching over you the past year has been a real privilege. Um, Thank you. And your beers that you brought today are are just uh, are a good representation of uh, the journey, you know, as a home brewer. And so I really love the story as much as I do the beer. And that's why it's a real privilege, you know, to have you on the show. I hope some other home brewers that are currently going through some of the same you know learning curve that you've gone through over the last year are you know taking stock of you know some of our conversation here today i'm, I'm sure that they'll go huh i never really thought about making a gozea with uh with um just pure malt and no lactobacillus that's a pretty wild move anyway um i mean you've managed to beat uh, a lot of other co-hosts that have even been you know to gabf you know from the show so i mean um definitely to knock uh, reverend mark out <clears throat> i mean that's uh that's pretty amazing because he is a really good brewer so um and i know john has has been serving as your mentor and, and in many cases you've actually kind of exceeded you know uh some of the ability of what john brought to the table as well so i think that's really great that says an awful lot for how far you've come so thank you well, I'm sure everyone will revel in your success uh, in the future. Um, I hope the conversation uh, with with uh, that we get to have with other competitors uh, going to the 2014 GABF Pro-Am uh, prior to the competition, um, just kind of like we did last year. We actually talked to everybody kind of beforehand, during, kind of after. So um, that was a good experience. So I'm hoping we get a chance to kind of repeat some of that be kind of interesting to get reverend mark and and kevin in the conversation here you know as the competition kind of grows closer and they actually get to taste some of the beer that you actually ship to gabf oh, that, that would be, be kind of cool to that would be really fun kind of swing everybody back on the show and we'll see if we can grab you know two or three other uh, regional competitors you know that are going with you to actually taste along i think that would be kind of a cool experience so you know, if we go back to uh, GABF, um, I don't know if we're going yet, but uh, if we do, I mean, I look forward to seeing you there. So oh, yeah. We're, yeah, we're super excited about it. <clears throat> well, uh, it's a it's a great event, and I would encourage a lot of people, if they've never been, at least to go once. So, well, it's just uh, really great stuff, everybody. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's Suds episode. Thanks to all of our listeners here on Sip Suds and Smokes. 
You can catch all of our episodes online on iTunes, SoundCloud, TuneIn, Stitcher, YouTube, Uncle John's Basement, and Spreaker, our native media host. Our terrestrial radio stations are always questioning why in the heck do we broadcast these, these people, but they seem to be expanding. And if you'd like to hear this show on your favorite radio show, send them a note, a six-pack of beer, and copy us as well. Just send us the beer. It'll be fine as well. <clears throat> you can reach us online anytime at info at sipsudsandsmokes.com. Our daily tasting notes flow out on Twitter every day. At SipSubSmokes is our handle, and our Facebook page is always buzzing with lots of news. We've actually restylized some of our things on our Facebook page, so uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, with those changes. Do us a favor and take the time to rate this episode if you're listening to us online. That's a big help to us, and we get to see your feedback as well. I definitely want to thank my co-host today. Chris, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Zaya, thank you for being here as thank well. Thank you so much. You guys are an amazing couple, and I'm so glad you got to come. Um, I, uh, I look forward to uh, definitely uh, chatting with you again uh, in the future. For now, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. This is good old boy Mike. I'm going to ask you to keep on sipping. One Tan Hand production of Sip Suds and Smokes, a program devoted to the appreciation of some of the finer slices of life. From the dude in the basement studios, your host, the good old boys, will see you all next time.